Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Keegan, and welcome back to episode 22 of Turn Over the Tape. This week's a bit of a different episode of Turn Over the Tape. It is just me. It's going to be a bit of a Turn Over the Tape light, because let's be honest, you don't want to hear me rattle on for 40 minutes about the Suns. So we're going to do a bit of a shorter episode, as my good friend Matt is currently unavailable this week, and we may talk about next week why he was unavailable. Um, so, just Keegan this week. Um, so, we're going to talk about the Suns and the Lions game, which, to be fair, I don't need a lot of time to talk about because it wasn't very good. Um, and then we can go to the votes. We can sort of talk about the Demons game next week, wherever it's going to be. We don't actually know yet. But anyway, that's what we're going to talk about this week. Um, firstly, straight off the top, um, the Suns had a very, very disappointing loss Um to the Lions on the weekend, 120-71. Now, early on, it probably didn't look like it was going to be a disappointing day up until halftime. It actually looked like it was going to be a very good day. Um, we were leading by 27 points or something like that at halftime, which which was, which was great. Like, don't get me wrong, that was great. So the question you sort of have to ask yourself are we a glass half full team where we played so well for a half? And I think that's probably the best football, just about the best football we've played all year. Or do we look at a glass half empty when we conceded, I think it's like like 87 points in the second half. And I don't know what side of the side of the fence I felt like right after the game, uh, straight after the game, definitely I was in the half empty camp where I'm like, this is an absolute mess. What the hell is this team doing? Where are we going? Um, but sort of as I've reflected a little bit over the past couple of days and sort of sort of wound down a little bit, I feel like that I felt like you've got to take the wins. You've got to take the positives that we can out of it. We're still a young team. We're still a building team. I think while definitely the second half was completely abjectly poor, I feel like we can't. We've got to also take those take those positives out of the game as well, which was the likes of King having a very good first half. Uh, Ainsworth had a very good first half, um, and a bunch of players and Sharp and a bunch of players had very good first halves. But then when we got to the second half, where is when we saw that that thing that we know as Suns fans. If you are listening to this, I'm assuming you're a Suns fan. The thing we know as Suns fans, where's we're never safe. We're never. We're never. Um, we're never right on it. We're never comfortable. Um, and so that sort of came. That came to light in the second half, where where Brisbane just sweated on us a bit more. We made a few early mistakes in the half, and I feel like that shot our confidence a little bit. And after that, shot our confidence a little bit. Then we really we really just couldn't get going. That sort of that run and gunning style that we had in the first half really sort of disappeared and we sort of ended up going back into that very static kick mark style which doesn't do us any favors and was really just was really ugly viewing for the rest of the second half. Um and and yeah, I don't know what else to say really about it other than that that it was it was objectively poor. Um I think the injury to Markov definitely hurt. Um, there's definitely players in the team as well that I don't think are up to. I think the injuries are starting to to stack up a little bit. I think um, I think with like the likes of Markov and Ellis and Weller, 
Uh, sort of those three sort of real quality running players sort of missing. Um, I feel like that's starting to hurt our performance a fair bit. Sharp's done a really good job in stepping up in that role. He's been he's been probably one of the best play our best players in the first couple of um, in the past couple of weeks, and that might be reflected in the votes later on. But I feel like I feel like there's we still have too many passengers. So if I was to look at sort of the players that sort of performed poorly. Uh, Rory Atkins was poor after he came on. He only had ended up having nine disposals after he came on halfway through the first quarter, which is not good enough. Um, Sexton only kicked one goal. Uh, Rankin had another really poor game. Graham had another really poor game. There's just there's just too many passengers, and there's not a lot of depth purely through injury that we can rely on to do our job for us. Um, that sort of brings us to brings us to um, the point of who do we blame for this sort of poor result? Who are we sort of pointing the finger at? Now there are there are a couple of different places. The players are probably a good place to start. They're the ones that are probably out there. I don't. I can't imagine Jew got in at halftime and said, "All right, boys, um, let's sort of take it easy now. We've got our lead. Let's sort of sit on it." I don't reckon. I don't imagine he would have said that. If he did say that, then we've probably got more problems than than that. But I think the players just went into their shell. I think that comes from a lack of leadership on the field. And while the likes of Swallow do try and do a good job as sort of being on field leaders, I don't think we have enough of them out there. Like if you look at our forward line, our forward line is very young. If you look at games played, at least you've got King, you've got Corbett, you've got. Um, Burgess Sexton's probably the most the most experienced in that forward line, but he's not he's not a leader type. He's a good player at, on his day, but I don't think he's the type of leader person that you can that will inspire you, that will want you to get around him and sort of take him on his shoulders. He he kicks some nice goals, but he's probably more of an impact player. So uh, the leadership probably is lacking a bit, and that probably matches up with the talk of us trying to bring in some experienced players with our draft picks this year that probably the club's probably identified this as an issue and hope that it is solved over the trade trade period. And another place you could probably look is straight at the straight at the co- you coaches. You could look at the likes of Dewey and you can go, well, what did you say at halftime or what happened at halftime that, sort of turned the game around did you were there instructions made i think that needs to be looked into as well about how a team can have such an amazing first half and then their second half they just completely stop now i'm used to the suns playing a bad quarter um so usually we're a three-quarter team where we'll have sort of a patchy second or third quarter and then we go from there but we didn't even have that this we had a poor half like I think we only kicked one goal in the second half, and that was Corbett sort of very late on in very much junk time. Uh, so the coaches probably definitely need to be put on the put on the record as well. Um, the question I sort of see asked around a lot is, um, does that ruin our past three weeks of really good performances? The Richmond performance, the GWS performance, and the Bulldogs performance. Does this sort of almost put us back to square one and yeah it probably does it shows that it shows that while we are making there is improvements made sort of in the second half of the year well since since the since sort of 
the Richmond game, at least, there has been improvements made. We've still got a long way to go as a club to become anywhere near a consistent team. And th- these performances like this over the weekend sort of definitely sort of put an exclamation mark around that and go, well, we're definitely, we've definitely got a long way, a long way to go to become a quality team that can compete for finals or top four or, God forbid, a premiership in the next 20 years. Who knows? Um, but, yeah, so there are sort of my just overall thoughts in the game. Um, you know, I don't know if more to say, really. Really disappointing. Um, I thought players had good games, and we're probably going to get... I'm going to probably shoot straight into the three twos and the ones now to sort of just talk through maybe some individual thoughts on players that I had. Um, and Matt has actually sent me he, a message with his three twos and ones in there. So we can sort of have a bit of a, a look... We can sort of have um, we can have a bit of discussion about his players that he put together. He put some notes together for me as well. He's a very organised man, that that bloke. So I've got some notes I can I can sort of fall into, and then also I'll give you my thoughts on the players I had. So I actually had Sharp with the three votes this week, um, and that's probably following on from me having Sharp in the best last week as well. He's just. He was just immense. Um, there are players on the field that definitely got the ball more than him, looking at Fiorini and Miller. But I feel like Sharp had Sharp's effect on the game was just absolutely was just absolutely unbeatable. He ran hard. There were goal that the goal that sticks out of my head is the one where he ran was running back into the fifty with McCluggage, who's a very very good player, following him in, um, taking a mark and kicking a goal. Um, his his possessions meant something and had and had weight on the contest. Whereas there's some other people that, as I said, that got the ball more, that probably had a lot more handballs and probably didn't have that impact that Sharp did. So at the end, Sharp does get my three votes. Uh, for Matt, uh, he had Lukosius getting his three votes, and I I can I can totally agree. Um, Matt sort of put down stuff like he he valued trying to get the game moving, so he took risks. Um, sometimes they didn't come off, which is fair enough, but he took those risks. His kicking is just elite. Um, some of the targets, I think it was one in the first quarter, where he put over the head of the defender, Corbett ran onto it and kicked a goal, and it's just some of the kicking, some of the coach's kicking is just absolutely outrageous. And I feel like... I feel like we've we've found something where we have him sort of a bit further upfield kicking into the forward 50, and that's the reason we do it, so he creates those goals. So definitely I agree with Matt there. Lukosius had a very good game. Uh, for my two, I have, um, I've gone for Miller. Um, he didn't probably, that probably wasn't his best game that he's played in the past sort of 10 weeks or so. I feel like he still got two coaches' votes, so there was a bit of people did think he had a good game, but I don't think he was sort of at the level he usually was. He probably was under a bit more pressure. Uh, the Brisbane midfield is very good. Don't get me wrong, um, and he did make a few did make a few little turnovers here and there. Um, but I still think the amount of work and the amount of run and the amount of effort he puts in, I feel like he's definitely worth the two votes. Um, even even. Not on his best day, he was still our second best player, which probably tells you more about our, the way our team performed on the weekend than it probably does about um, any sort of shortcomings Miller had throughout the game. Um, for one vote, I had um, I had Powell uh, early on, early was it the second quarter where Powell 
where Brisbane sort of started to try and sort of turn the game a bit, and they did in the third and fourth quarter. But in that second quarter, when they were pumping it in, Powell was, like he has through a lot of this year, he was a massive job intercepting, jumping in front of the likes of uh, Danaher and McStay, taking some really good intercept marks, and just being very tidy as well. I feel like sometimes he sort of gets overlooked a little bit because he does play in the back line, and... Um, and he sometimes does make a few mistakes here and there. Sometimes his kicking can let him down a little bit, but I don't think you can take that away, uh, take anything away from him. I feel like that without him, Brisbane would have turned the game a lot quicker than they did at um, in the third quarter. They would have turned at half a hoop the second because Powell was there, was sort of almost holding holding it together for us back there. So I definitely think he's worth the one. Uh, and Matt had Fiorini with the one vote. And um, I thought Fiorini's, it's probably one of the better games Fiorini's had. Yeah, he um, he did have 41 touches. Were they the best or most impactful 41 touches? Probably not. But I still think 41 touches is still a very um, a very good effort for um, for anyone, really. Like, no, not everyone can say they've had over 40 touches in a game of AFL. And just, but like Ellis sort of a couple of weeks ago, while he did have 41, they probably weren't the most impactful 41. Um, the thing that sort of with Fiorini is I'd love to see him sort of do a bit more of the ball. He does take, he does get a lot of easy one-twos, but who doesn't? Um, so I feel like he's definitely improving. I think there's no doubt that he's improved um, from when he came into the team to now. There's definitely, you can definitely see an improvement, which is interesting because I remember watching some VFL games earlier in the year or seeing highlights of, and he looked nowhere near it. He was he wasn't chasing, he wasn't tackling. So it's good to see Fiorini sort of get get a bit of get a bit of time in the ones. I do like I like the bloke. I don't think that he's for us long term, and I actually think he's doing a very good job putting himself in the shop window for someone else to pick him up because I do think he has something to offer. Um, but I don't think. We um I don't think this is some he's probably one that the Suns if they get a good offer for him are probably happy to let go. That's not to say they're going to go out. I don't think they're going to go out and do the old um salary dump like we may have did with Peter Wright last year. I feel like if Fiorini he's contracted to twenty twenty three, so he's got another two years. If Fiorini isn't snapped up and no one comes to the party for him, then I have no problem with him being on our list. The only issue I probably do have is for the role he's played for the majority of the season as sort of someone that's been in the twos. We're probably he's he probably takes a bit more of the Sally Cup than I would have liked, but that's not his fault. He got the best deal for himself. Um but yeah, definitely improvement. He's definitely been good depth. He's definitely done well since coming in and he probably stays in for the rest of the year and he could probably put put some a few more good games together to impress suitors out there or even to impress Jew and maybe show Jew that he might be a part of our plans going forward. Um yeah, so that sort of wraps up the three twos and ones. So we move on to the D's this week. Um we don't actually know what we're playing yet, so it could be I think ideally the AFL would like it in Queensland. Um but unfortunately at the at to the moment they haven't been as successfully sort of negotiate with the Queensland government about getting the Melbourne Demons up to this uh, to the Gold Coast to play at Metricon. So it looks it could potentially be in Melbourne, which kind of sucks because if it was in Melbourne, I'd like to go. But we're not going to be having crowds at the footy for a few weeks anyway in Melbourne. So 
Yeah, so, but if that was the case and the Suns did have to come to Melbourne, that would probably mean that no, the Suns are probably on the road for the rest of the year, which which kind of is annoying, but it is what it is. Teams had to do it last year. It's our turn this year. You can't get too swept up in it. Um, sort of overall, I feel like for the Matthew Warnock Cup, I forgot the cup the past few weeks. There's a Matthew Warnock Cup, which is a... Which is sort of pulling pulling one out from a fair way back. Um, the D's are a very inconsistent team. I know they're second on the ladder, but if you th- if you look back, they had a loss to a loss to a draw with Hawthorne, and they also lost to GWS. Um, they they do have some spotty form, and Adelaide. They also lost to Adelaide over in Adelaide, so they do have some spotty form, especially against lower ranked teams. I don't know whether that comes from them taking too easily or something, but I definitely think that if if we can um, if we can get them, that would be great. Um, I'd expect the the lads this week to get a bit of a fair rocket up them about that second that second half that they had, but I feel like. The D's will give us a chance. Whether we take that chance is another thing. Um, <laughs> Matt's written down in his notes he thinks we'll win by 100 points. So I'm going to hold him to that. So for verbatim, Matt says, No idea. We aren't consistent and D's cannot beat poor sides. We'll probably win by 100 points. So I'm going to hold him to that. So Matt, you're being held to that. hundred point. Matt's sipping a 100-point win for the Suns. Oh, actually, <laughs> more realistically... I actually think the D's will probably win. It'll probably be another one of these close losses like we had with the Bulldogs, um, which at the end of the day doesn't really get us wins. But I just want to see us play good football for the last four weeks of the year. Um, We have got a couple of winnable games coming up after this one against Carlton and Essendon um, in Queensland. So they're two winnable games coming up. So this, this Melbourne one, we probably... When we looked back at Brisbane, Bulldogs, and Melbourne, we probably didn't think we'd win any of them. It would have been nice to sneak one, but we didn't think we'd win any of them. But I'd like to see us hit a bit of good form because Carlton and Essen are probably our last chances for a win this year, and it'd be nice to sort of hit that eight-win mark that we did talk about at the start of the season. So I'm probably predicting the Ds to win by a couple of goals. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. Um, but yeah, that's our, that's my thoughts on the game. And the last thing we're going to do before we sort of wrap it all up is where is Stuart Jew at? So we talked previously about Stuart Jew sort of, we, we flip-flopped a bit because after the Fremantle game, or was it after after the North Melbourne game, we were like, this man's never getting, he's he's gone at the end of the year. We didn't, I, he's never he's never going to be sacked mid-year, but he'll be gone at the end of the year and we'll get someone else in. And then we had that run of three really good games where we're like, all right, maybe this is worth persevering with until the end of next season and let him see his contract out. Now with this really sort of poor result, and it is we do need to remember that Brisbane is a top four side, so they're not they're not mugs. They're a quality team, but where is where is Stuart Jew's pressure gauge at? Um we need to see a good performance for the rest of the season. If we go through the rest of the season and we win one or two games, sort of we beat Carlton and maybe we beat Essendon or Sydney, probably not Sydney the way they're going, but we beat Carlton, we beat Essendon. He probably eight wins hits sort of, that's a decent year. And I feel like we take that into next year. If he goes through these next four games without getting a win and we look really poor and we play really poorly, 
then I think those questions seriously get asked of, are you the right man to lead us forward? Because um, next year is absolutely vital. We've got a bunch of players coming off contracts that could be enticed to go elsewhere. So next year, we need to be competing around the around the mark for finals. We need to be in finals or near finals. So, and that's this time. That's five years Stuart Jew has been in charge. He's had enough time to sort of get that sorted. Um, if he's not there, then or if we don't think he's going to be there, then we need to pull the trigger early, give ourselves the best chance of making finals. Whether that's bringing in putting a godfather offer to someone like an Alistair Clarkson or another coach we know that can do the job. Um, yeah. So I think that would be that decision we made at the end of the year, but I think a lot relies on these last four weeks for us. And that is the end of a very, uh, very quick episode of of Turnover the Tape Light with just me, Keegan, here. Um, 21 minutes, not too short, but that's all right. As always, thank you for listening. Um, make sure you do... Subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, rate and review, all that good stuff. Uh, Matt should be back next week. If not, I will try and find a replacement for him. The usual replacements were not not available this week. Busy week for a lot of people. So we just just me this week. Um, hopefully, we can get so get a, few, a couple of people back in next week. So you don't have to listen to me talk and talk and talk. But we'll leave it there. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. And I'll talk to you later.